Oi, hello there, Jessica. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's early British Matt Thiessen. It's me, British Thiessen. <laughs> I'm back again. For you, any new listeners you got, I'm sure they're not familiar every time you go and review one of my early punk rock classics from All Work and No Play. I got a show up here. I hop into my whizabout which is what we call a time machine in England. <laughs> and I come here from the year 1998. <laughs> you don't call it a TARDIS. It's a good point. Wait. So, so uh, British Thiessen, not that it's not great to see you here, but we're actually doing a song off of Five Score, and you're nowhere to be seen there. So I'm just wondering, what are you doing here today? Oh, well, funny you should ask about that. Last time I was here... I went back to me year 1998, and I talked to me good friend, me close companion, Johnny Rotten. Oh, Perhaps wow. you've heard of him. I, I have. And so he what, was like... What was he doing in Canton in 1998? <laughs> just, just hanging about. Oh, all right. Just having a laugh. Oh, all right. And next thing you know, I'm like, he's like, Oi, Tyson, where were you? Where were you about? And I said... I was in the year 2022, and Johnny Rotten was like, I've heard of 2022, that's when the Queen's gonna die. And I said, oi, the Queen wasn't dead when I was there. And he said, what month were you there? And I said, August, I think. (laughs) He said, well, she dies in September. This is September, right? Yeah. So I'm back. I'm back to see that the Queen's dead, and I'm real sad, because all punk rockers love the Queen. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Those are cold hard facts right there. All Parham Crockers love the Queen. And I brought a special friend this time. Oh, okay. It's me special friend. It's me closest pal other than Johnny Rotten. Okay. It's me good friend, British Matt Oops. Oh, wow. I've never... I don't think we're even familiar at all with British Matt Hoops. Oh, yes. It's nice to meet you. I'm British Matt Hoops. <laughs> Yes, you know me from all work and no play the demo. This has just gone so far off the rails. That's okay, because I know I'll be forgiven here on Sadie Hawkins Pod. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, I had that all planned. Had that all planned out. I just humiliated myself. Let's, let's, just, so let's just, just get to the intro. <laughs> everyone and welcome to sadie hawkins pod yes it's oh, nice to be Lord. here it's me <laughs> british teeth british hoops no. <laughs> i get our names mixed up once in a while like i don't even know what we're gonna do in editing because the levels were so far blown with your <laughs> your that's what punk rock is jessica <laughs> punk true. rock is blowing the levels all right. Well, hi everyone. Oh, I think for- <laughs> so. I got a new Bluetooth speaker, right? Not of the new Bluetooth speaker. Sorry, no. This is our Bluetooth speaker that we use on the table for podcasting. Okay, There's there the you sound. go. I was like, he's been he's pushing <laughs> it, like waiting for the sound, and it's not happening. But I got a new Bluetooth car FM transmitter, and it speaks like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been driving around in the car. Speaking like this, and I'm like, this is British hoops. 
it's like connecting it's just like i guess it's a british bluetooth transmitter sure and it's like powering on Alrighty. So then. I just had this voice stuck in my head and I was well, like, I gotta premiere. Let's it. power on. Uh any top of the show business, Dan. Yeah, we took last week off, Jessica. What the fuck? Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, I think you're still you're still a little too punk rock there, Dan. Let's oh, let's let's try and bring it back just a little bit. So sorry we took last week off. Unexpectedly. A lot was going on and we kept it was just one of those weeks where it was like an intense week. IVF, you know, our longtime listeners know that we're working toward, with, uh, towards IVF, towards having a child, and the last week was a big week trying to move forward with that. Nothing to talk about, nothing, no big news right now, but there was a lot of appointments last week. And then the thing that really knocked me out was we went into the storage unit to get <laughs> Halloween ready, and that took, <laughs> that literally took a week. It took a lot out of him. It took a lot out of me. Yeah, so. I had a little procedure, and then uh, Danny was just feeling overwhelmed with, uh, the, with storage the storage unit, unit <laughs> and life. It's like, I'm not podcasting. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but we're here. We're back. We're back this week. And we appreciate all of you. Yes, we're back. So thank you for uh, for hanging in there for an extra week. I hope you enjoyed our Hive 75 repost yeah i hope we can be forgiven for taking the week off oh i already made that joke jessica well you know (laughs) i can forgive you for being rusty we took a week off (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i'm just joking so we do have voicemails here's the first voicemail from david park so obviously we have a couple voicemails for like the last two weeks, and then we have a couple brand new ones. So here's one. Nice. I remember, this is David from Jimmy Eat Pod. I remember as a joke thinking, oh man, wouldn't it be so funny if people thought the COVID-19 vaccine was the mark of the beast? I did even Google it to see if that was a real thing. But good God. And that reminds me, we have got to sit down and watch the classic 70s Christian scare film that they showed us uh, called A Thief in the Night. If I remember correctly, there are two parts and that they showed this to us in the third grade was wild to me. Absolutely horrifying. Um, Maybe we should add it to the (laughs) Cinema Cataclysm Halloween playlist because good God. absolutely come over we're doing it yep so there's a bunch of things to mention there first of all we did a patreon episode i think i talked about this two weeks ago but we did a patreon episode where i I, i'm hard pressed to now plug this specific person because i don't really want to plug it but there's this blog out there that kind of was infamous in like christian rock circles because it was so hardline against christian rock and we talked about it before that we've been doing this patreon episode we're reading through this blog and it just got more and more intense in terms of like how christian rock is just actually all christian rock and actually they think amy grant's a harlot right and you know i also have to preface this now with you know since so many bands have come out as gay affirming like this is this big awful mark on christian bands which it's not i'm just saying that you know a sect of christianity a section of it a a percentage of it is -hmm. like oh relying k is gay affirming switchfoot is gay affirming and it's all been a lie and they're just doing that for money which is 
ridiculous. It's not that's they're not doing that for money. They're doing it because they're decent people. But now there's like tons more rhetoric online about how all these Christian bands were were evil the whole or whatever the whole time. They were woke the whole time. They're all being woke for money. It's not that. That's not what this blog is. This blog is about how Christian rock, the very existence of doing rock music with supposed Christian uh, ties is all a lie. And it's all about how Satan actually wants to steal your soul by pretending to be Christian. And the biggest sin that any Christian rock band can do, Third Day did it, according to this blog, and that's cover Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> Because this, because this Christian ministry blog was like, I saw one of the worst examples of so-called Christian rock ever Yikes. at a Christian conference when Third Day said, we're playing a song for our parents now. And what did they play? <laughs> Amazing Grace? <laughs> no, they played Sweet Home Alabama. And I'm like, were they in Alabama? Because that's just a thing bands do. You know, you play the song of the area. It's a thing. So we dug into this writer more, and they have, they're still at it, and they had a whole thing about how COVID and COVID vaccines are the mark of the beast, and if you get a COVID vaccine, it's the mark of the beast. That's right. So, Go on over to patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod, and you will be hearing that as our next Reliant K book club. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're going to read about <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> then I got what you were saying. I mean, I am a little tempted to read the Santa one. Right, about how Santa's a lie. Well, yeah. but, and it was funny. Teeny. Trigger warning? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I you didn't mean, say Santa's uh, not real. Okay. I said Santa is a lie. Okay. Santa is an agent of the enemy. Okay. Trying to okay. steal the message of Christmas. There the real Santa Claus is a demon. <laughs> right. Trying to steal Christmas from Like Christ. the church lady. Santa, Satan. Exactly. Dana Carvey. Right. All that came up. And then, yeah, David Park here mentioned The Thief in the Night, which was one of the earliest rapture movies. Oh, wow. Sure, Left Behind is like popular, from popular from the 90s to now. But before Left Behind, there were these 70s movies, the first of which was The Thief in the Night. I see. And it was about the rapture. And I watched the first one based on... Now, how on, do they handle the animals? Because... I don't know, I remember. If the animals aren't getting raptured, I'm not here for it. Right. Because they are sweet little innocent babies <laughs> and should all be taken. Thank you very much. A couple of years ago, we watched the Nick Cage Left Behind movie for a bad movie night. Many years ago. like Something like six years ago. And then when we finished it... And I was familiar with the first Left Behind book and the first Left Behind movie... And I'm like, oh, that, that first Nick Cage movie, which there was only the one. But I'm like, that Nick Cage Left Behind remake, quote unquote, was only the first half or the first third of Left Behind, the actual book. Because he gets off the plane and continues from there. But well, they, sure, they f had to plan all those sequels, you know. Right. That's what's funny. But they basically just took the first third of the book. Anyway... And just all the stuff on the airplane, which is just the opening of the book in the original movie. So we put on the first Kirk Cameron one for a little bit. But what Jessica was really upset is that when the Christians get raptured, there's a specific scene where the dog is sad because his Christian master is gone. And Jessica's like, that's awful. I hate it's that. fucking bullshit is and what that is. We just kind of bullshit. 
We just kind of, all dogs go to heaven. We flip around the Kirk Cameron one just to like see how it compared production wise. Cause I couldn't remember after all those years how it compared production wise. And we just land on the one moment with the dog the, <laughs> in that, the same moment from the Nick Cage one. And Jessica's like, that's it. <laughs> but that moment does, I don't know if that happens in a thief in the night which is the one this very early rapture movie about how I think it's where the song I wish we'd all been ready which um DC Talk oh, eventually no. maybe the wish we'd all been ready is in that movie this that DC Talk awful. eventually covered I'm trying yeah I don't remember anyway I watched A Thief in the Night a couple years ago based off of David Park's recommendation that he remembered being force fed that movie at a young age and it was on Amazon Prime and when I used to watch like 3 movies a day at work <laughs> I, used, I I I made that one of them but uh, yeah, and oh, we watched Omega Code more recently. We watched both Omega Codes. I yeah, think we the Omega unfortunately Code... own that now on VHS, <laughs> VHS because we saw it at a thrift store, and Danny was like, "Ooh, yay! It's been packed away. It's not on the shelf." What I forgot though is that there's no Rapture in Omega Code. There's no Rapture in Omega Code, and and it's not like they they don't make a point to say there is no Rapture. They just like kind of breeze past if it's if it even happened. They kind of leave it in the in like the implied story or not do you remember we watched omega code and omega code 2 yeah 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 there's no rapture in that i was very much not paying attention when we put it on i was worried it was going to be like left behind and i just like sat on my phone paying attention to like my phone the whole time i think the omega code movie even though probably reading very sinful fan fiction (laughs) i think the omega code movies are probably the best of the Christian Revelations different series. Because what do you have? Of the famous series of Revelations-based movies, you have Left Behind, which is like probably the most popular. You have the Apocalypse series that we talked about, which is the ones that have Jeff Fahey and Mr. T and Howie Mandel and Gary Busey. That series, there were four of them. Apocalypse, Tribulation, Revelation... Those movies, and then you have the Thief in the Night series, and then you have the Omega Code series. So you have those four big series of Revelations-based Christian fiction. I think Omega Code is probably the more fun one because it doesn't have a rapture. It really focuses on the Antichrist side of it, and it's got amazing cast. Like, it's got Michael York... It has uh, what's his name, the bald guy, the dad. We just saw him. He was the dad in Mary Lou to in uh, prom night to Mary Lou. Oh, um, Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside's in the first one. Oh, uh, Rico Rodriguez is in <laughs> Rico Rodriguez. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. I have to just take your word for it on all of these. In case, again, you're new to the podcast, I'm not touching Revelation with a 10-foot pole. I can't even listen to deathbeds. So right. I certainly am not, I don't have any interest in apocalypse-themed uh, things. Johnny Rico, Casper Van Dien. Oh, there you Johnny go. Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. He's in Omega Code 2. Omega Code 2 is so much fun. Like, I feel like of these Revelations movies, the Omega Code ones are the only ones I would actually call fun. Like, they're fun movies in and of themselves. You know, it's a fun movie. You just mentioned it. Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou. (laughs) And Starship Troopers. Great films. Oh, and that's the last thing. There were so many points that we had to talk about in David Park's voicemail. In his very short voicemail, only 50 seconds, there were so many things. Cinema Cataclysm. I don't think we've talked about it here on the podcast. But if you've been listening to us for a long time, you know, 
we reserved the name Cinema Cataclysm years ago because we were going to do a bad movie podcast. Back in and 2016. Talked, I know. We've talked yeah. about it. We talked about, oh, we're going to do this side project, maybe do one movie a month. Never done it. Well, one day to Jessica about a month ago, I was like, you know, you could retool the Cinema Cataclysm Instagram to just be like about you and your VHS collection because there's a lot of VHS collection Instagram accounts. Yeah. And I'm gonna, we didn't call it Cinema Cataclysm Podcast on right. Instagram. Right, no, it's just so, Cinema Cataclysm. So Jessica retooled it to be about, yeah. you know... So I'm up and running that now. Yeah. And yeah, eventually we'll get the, the website going with reviews and stuff and hopefully start the podcast. We've just been... A little, a little busy recently, but we're we're hoping to settle in and get that stuff started. Yep. And every year... We said that like two years ago. I know. <laughs> John Potter from Magnified Pods has been talking about how he would be a guest on to yep. the Cataclysm. But also, David Park mentioned your marathons. Because every yes. year, Jessica programs a month of horror movies... And this year, it's she's called doing, Camp Cataclysm. It's called Camp Cataclysm. We've been doing it since 2015. Yeah. And because we came up with the name Cinema Cataclysm before we reserved all the social media for this yeah. thing we've never fully done. But Jessica programs a month of horror movies every year as if our home is a theater and we invite friends. And so I put uh, together a little pre-show yeah. and yeah, it's just fun. We should do Omega Code and Omega Code 2. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. I'm not programming that night. <laughs> well, here is a voicemail from Matt. Hey, Danny and Jess, this is Matt Kemp from St. Louis, also known as Matt K. 1975. Um, met you guys at the Orlando show in or yeah, <laughs> in Orlando. Um, I also ended up going to the St. Louis show, the first show of the Omnia tour. Uh, Love the show. Watch the listening to it kind of backwards, um, on in between flights on flights and trying to catch up. I think um, about like two Christmas episodes from last year, um, and I put the sticker you guys gave me on my phone and stickers rather on my phone and on my iPad. So always uh, representing you guys. Um, I do love the deep dives that you do about all the songs that we listened to over the years. Um, avid fan of the band since around 2003 is what I believe I got their first CD. Um, I believe those two left from one of my classmates in high school. And then uh, in 2000, whenever they did the um, Jay Leno show, Slay Ride Live, I got tickets to that specifically for them. Did not know that Jim Carrey and Rosario Rosario Dawson were going to be there. I did know that Tom Wilson from Back to the Future was going to be there. I forgot how I found that out. I think it was MySpace or something. Um, but in any case, I guess Christmas is just around the corner because they just uh, brought pumpkin spice lattes out. So uh, I don't know if you guys have done a sleigh ride episode yet. I'm assuming you did. Um, I prefer the live version uh, with Snack on the Xylophone. But in any case... Um, Keep up the great work, and I will keep on listening. Thank you. That's amazing yeah. that you were at the Jay Leno performance. That is so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> I feel really like cool. we we need we need more details on that yeah. for sure. And I'm glad that you went to you got to go to the Orlando show and the St. Louis show because you got a nice warm show and like a freezing cold show because wasn't the St. Louis show the one that was like almost snowed out or something? Like oh. I think it might have been 
one of those shows was like really really cold you're a better fan than me i don't remember that crap <laughs> i don't remember those details <laughs> and thank you for for repping sadie hawk that's amazing yeah thank you um we should like make stickers available somehow yeah hit us up you know what i'm just calling it right here just dm us this is good like uh what do you call it like a survey for who's actually listening out there just dm us and i'll send you a free sticker yeah i'll just send Straight it up. it's a 50 cent stamp what's what's a stamp now 50 cents I don't it's know. a 50 cent stamp plus the dollar sticker I'll just send it to you. You so, got it. Just to thanks for listening. Because the patrons get like a couple of stickers and a few other little gifts. And people we met in person got stickers. Yep. So I'm calling it right now. This isn't impeding on the patrons' benefits. You get one sticker if you just hit us up on the DMs and say, hey, I'd like a sticker. In perpetuity until at least we've covered every Reliant K song. <laughs> <laughs> So, That's also your gift if you listened through that very long intro before right. we actually got to the song. Well, we got two more voicemails. Oh, okay. Let's, <laughs> so let's here, do it. let's hear the rest of these. Hey, Jess and Dan, it's Allie calling. I am so excited um, that you've done Heartache. I'm still listening to it. I got about 15 minutes left, but Heartache is arguably probably my favorite favorite Reliant K song, um, and. The reason being is it, to me, is like the perfect musical uh, expression of being content during discontentment with your life. Um, So personally, this past year, I've gone through a divorce. And so the song has been like my uh, reminder that even though I'm not exactly where I thought I would be, um, I can still find contentment and happiness where I am presently while still hoping for something better at the same time. Um, so it means a lot to me. I have a TikTok and a, a reel on my page with this song uh, as the background to like highlight like my year of growth um, during this experience. Additionally, I just, I feel like the that ending part of Deathbed when John Foreman comes in that like da 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 that part if that was layered on top at the end, oh my gosh, that would scratch an itch in my brain so well. Anyway, thank you guys for finally covering my favorite song. Bye. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for yeah, sharing. That's Allie. incredible. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing about how like each song touches people. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It reminds me that I did have some like additional notes to Heartache that I didn't think about when we were doing the episode. And that's one thing is that because I, you know, when we do an episode, we do a song, I'll end up hearing the song for the rest of the week after the episode is published because I spend that next week posting the stuff we found on YouTube. So I'll hear the song more. Once in a while, I have an extra thought on the song that isn't really worth necessarily sharing. It's not that big a thing. But this time for Heartache, I had two more big thoughts that I'm like, Darn, I really wish these had been in the episode. The first is that heartache is a compound word. The word heartache is a compound word. But and this is subtle but significant, you know, poetically. Thiessen chooses to use it. This is a mini heartache follow-up episode. Thiessen chooses to use it as a sentence. I will not let my heart ache. He's not using the compound word. He's using it as a verb. He's saying I will a heartache 
is a noun, right? I guess a heartache can be a verb as well. But he's deliberately turning heart into noun and a noun and ache into a verb. He says, I will not let my heart ache. He's separating those words, which is so interesting that he's like takes this word that means one thing, a heartache. A heartache is a heartache. Like it's 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 binary, like you have a heartache. But he's like, No, I will not let my heartache. Yeah. And the actual poetry, the writing down of those lyrics, you have to separate those words to make that sentence work grammatically. I will not let I if he said I will not feel a heartache, then the word is still the word heartache. Right. But by saying I will not let my heart ache, he's separating the heart from the ache literally. And that's like I don't know if he even th- thought of it that way or if it just came out that way and it works that way. But if it was deliberate, that's amazing. And the second thing that I didn't think of because I didn't think of part of this at all until you mentioned it was that in the lyrics, he mentions how his dreams found him. He never had to chase his dreams. But then later in the song, you mentioned that last week later in the song, he's talking about how things are kind of more difficult and he's having, he's, he's going towards heartache, but he's not going to let his heartache. And I kind of realized that the song might actually be about how he never had to chase his dreams. Like, he literally just fell into Reliant K. He just fell into being a touring band that became super popular. He just, his dream found him. But now as he's gotten older, now he's had to, like, keep up with the dream. Like, the dream doesn't just stay there like it did for so many years. Like, it, it now it's now taking work to stay with Reliant K. And that's maybe what the heartache is he's trying to fight a little bit. It's like he just became this band. He just became a popular musician like he dreamed of. And now he's got to work to keep it up because, like, the whole band has lives and, like, you know, you have, I mean, you might have fans, but you're not, it doesn't come as easily anymore. Like, the big opportunities. It's that finding content in discontent. Right. I love that. Yeah. So that was our mini heartache follow up. <laughs> I did a little sachet yeah, with my hands. Danny's doing like weird jazz hands or something <laughs> over here. <laughs> and we have one more voicemail, and then we'll get to talking about Forgiven from the album Five Score and Seven Years Ago. Hey, Danny and Jess. Um, just it's Sean from Allentown in Pennsylvania. I uh, just wanted to comment on a couple things recently on some episodes. Um, starting off with the heartache episode. Uh, when you guys were talking about, you know, like the pedal hoops, the effect or whatever that he was using, the effect you were looking for is delay. Um, and specifically, um, the division of the notes that were, you know, coming after was a dotted eighth note. If you want to get really nerdy with it, there's something about that dotted eighth note division that gives it that real, you know, like rainfall kind of U2 or sweet disposition type of sound and everything. So, yeah. It was the delay effect that you were looking for. And then going back a couple episodes, um, whenever I called in and mentioned that I had a two lefts book, yes, obviously, I mean, yeah, they made a book for me. I found it. It's actually on my bookshelf right now. And if you're curious, it has the light blue cover with all four of the vehicles in a junkyard. Um, and as far as I know, there were at least three books. You guys have, mm-hmm. I know about uh, two lefts, and they made one for five score. 
because I had a friend at the time who had a five score book. Um, I don't know if they did anything else beyond that. I don't recall ever seeing an anatomy book and the stuff after five score was kind of getting strange. You know, they had the burn the B sides and stuff like that. I don't think there was a forget one, but you know, if someone else out there knows more, but I'd love to at least get the three that I know of two less mm -hmm, and five score. I'd love to have all of them, but yeah. That's that's what I know about the book. Maybe someone else knows something else. Um, but that's all I just really wanted to say. Um, also, I had no idea Snake Tremor existed. Um, you're right about that one. Most of your listeners probably have no idea about that one. I that was that was news to me. Um, but anyway, that was it. I'm still liking the podcast and everything. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Hope all is well after you know, like the reupload and everything. Hope there's nothing too serious going on. So yeah, keep it up. Thanks for calling again, Sean. Yeah, thank you. Socks, he's coming for your job. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, the... oh, you can see my socks. Right, 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 right. Daniel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm peeking so bad. Sorry about that. I'm not being British teasing. <laughs> but I'm still peeking. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's I... funny because your levels are usually lower, but for some reason, the past couple episodes, mine have been lower and yours have been really high. I don't know what to tell you, baby. When you're with me, you get as high as the sky. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how many people actually, like, had not... I'm sure most people hadn't heard of Snake Charmer, because I don't think I'd ever heard of Snake Charmer before I did research the months leading up to us doing this podcast. But, yeah, how many people really heard of Snake Charmer before? I will not let my snake be charmed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See, Allie wants a reference to Deathbed, a musical reference to Deathbed, interpolated into Heartache. You want the lyrics of Snake Charmer put into the song Heartache. I want the lyrics of Snake Charmer to be put Tattooed into everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was that other, like, kind of pseudo news for Reliant K recently where, where Reliant, you probably didn't hear about this, Reliant K oh, on TikTok a woman just like posted a thing on TikTok where she's like kind of jamming out to mood rings and she's like and then it says the text on there it says like man man I really need Reliant K to apologize for the lyrics to mood rings right mm-hmm. and then Reliant K popped into the comments on her TikTok oh, wow. and said we apologize where we were kids and we're grown we're always growing Reliant K sliding into those DMs on the TikTok <laughs> Yeah. And then that became like a thing on Relevant Magazine, like an article, like all this stuff. Why? I don't know, because at this point... Is it really all that relevant? (laughs) I don't know. That's what you say every time Relevant Magazine comes up. Well, I just feel like they aren't terribly like relevant. I just (laughs) feel like they aren't living up to the name. They like just look for anything that's happening with Reliant K and are like, this is relevant. Right, because one of the last big times we talked about them was the um, the Eve Six news. The Eve Six. So every time there's a big that social- weird shush 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 noise was Danny attempting <laughs> to, to snap. snap because he can't snap. I can't snap. That's me trying to snap. I don't know how to teach you, hon. No, I've you been taught trying me. Trying for years. It's just he's clicking the right fingers together. It's just not making the noise. No. I didn't know how to snap. I always thought this. I didn't know the snap sound is actually the finger hitting the palm. I thought somehow the snap noise actually comes out of the two fingers parting. Nope. 
it's your middle finger or your ring finger, whatever you use, hitting your palm below your... You just your... have those soft, Ooh. soft, Ooh. delicate hands, Ooh. Danny. Oh, oh, oh. Jessica, be quiet for a second. Be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> I don't mean it. Hey. He, al- he also can't wink. I can't wink. He's worse than Lucille Bluth. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I can't roll my R's. <laughs> and just like Lucille, <laughs> Lucille Bluth, I also can't make a chicken noise. That's me trying to make a chicken noise. And that may be true, but I know I'm (laughs) The secrets are all coming out this week. (laughs) No matter what the secrets are, I know I'll be forgiven as we talk about the song. Yeah, yeah, we we all heard it. You didn't have to repeat it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So forgiven from five score and seven years ago. We actually have a lot to uh, to say about this song. I mean, not a lot to say, but a lot to talk about. Right. This is one of the few Reliant K songs that has its own Wikipedia. Oh, right. It's always exciting when we get <laughs> to these these songs. So, according to the Wikipedia, Forgiven is the first Christian radio single from Reliant mm. K's fifth album, Five Score and Seven Years Ago, and was released just days before the lead single. The song was officially released on Christian released to Christian radio somewhere around December 1st, 2006 but could be heard on the radio as early as November 24th. This song can be heard on GoTo Records' website as of November 28th. The band also made the song available via their MySpace on December 1st, 2006. Now, I think that the, the important thing here is Christian radio. Right. Because I know that definitely Best Thing and Must Have Done Something Right were already out there available for the non non Christian right. sort of crowd, which and this is also interesting. We'll get to it later as to why this was picked up as the Christian single because they didn't know right. clearly the story uh, behind the song. Uh, so this also peaked at number thirteen on the Hot Christian charts. It was the four- <laughs> Danny, you're a hot Christian. It was the fourth <laughs> most played Christian hit radio song in 2007, according to R and R magazine. Uh, so this song appeared, and I'm just going to go over it now. Okay. And this is your little background as to this song is meaning. This song appeared on the Wow Hits 2008 compilation, uh, which is interesting since it was released in 2006. Anyhow, according to Song Facts, in the liner notes of Wow Hits 2008, Teeson said, This song is about a rough situation I went through. A close friend said some things about me that weren't totally kind and weren't totally accurate. The way I dealt with it was by immediately saying, all right, I'm going to forgive you and just get over it. And hopefully you can do the same thing for me and we can just move along. If I sit down and stew on something, it can worsen the situation. Whereas if I can just forgive, it definitely prevents ulcers. It's really not an issue anymore, but it was very therapeutic to write about. So I have things to say about that. But first, let me just mention that I went to Discogs and I typed in Relying K Forgiven to see if there was a like CD single sent to radio stations. Mm -hmm. Some new stuff in like the last couple of months, some like promotional CDs have shown up as entries on Discogs. Okay. So there's more like, you know, printed promotional CDs maybe out there than exist on Discogs. So maybe there was a CD promotional single sent to Christian bookstores 
not sorry, not Christian bookstores, Christian radio stations. <laughs> I say the phrase Christian bookstore more in my life than <laughs> Christian radio stations. So muscle memory led me wrong. But well, Danny, you're forgiven. Thank you. <laughs> this episode is about forgiveness. <laughs> it's if, more than saying sorry. <laughs> forgiveness means accepting people's flaws. To forgive is divine. So let's have a glass of wine and have makeup sex until the end of time. Time, time, time. Is that Lana Del Rey? Uh, (laughs) It's Samantha James, bitch. It's from Just Friends. Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyway, if a promotional CD of Forgiven was sent to Christian radio stations, it has not been cataloged on Discogs. So I don't know. It's so funny that 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 Wikipedia entry does have such specific dates for when it started being played on Christian radio. So I guess anything's possible. I still don't believe at all that Penny Loafer Saved is a Penny Loafer Earned was ever released as a promotional CD to any station ever. I think whoever wrote that Wikipedia entry was just completely mistaken and confused about the fact that Penny Loafer Saved was the second song on Employee of the Month. That's why I sort of gave the caveat as of according to Citation needed. Right. right. But I did did look into the uh, the wow hits thing and that is sound and it did, it's even on song facts. Right. And that's the next thing I want to mention. Since I already typed in Reliant K Forgiven on Discogs, all of the wow compilations that this song is on came up in the search results and I looked into it and I don't think I ever realized this and I wonder if this is, no, no, the now CDs aren't dated by year, but the wow CDs apparently are like cars. They're released the year before the year model. <laughs> so oh, the wow 2008 CD was released in 2007 and I assume that the wow 2006 CD was released in 2005, etc., etc. Okay, So that explains that portion. But yeah, this song makes complete sense out of all of five score. It's the most Christian. It's the, one of the two most overtly Christian songs I can immediately think of. This and Deathbed. I mean, Christ shows up at the end of Deathbed. It's That's very Christian. I was like, wait, I did not listen to this <laughs> song enough if he shows up at the end here. No, Deathbed. He shows up at the end as John Foreman. But, which makes sense, he has long hair. But, <laughs> Forgiven, like, at first listen, it just sounds like a penitent song about salvation and grace. Like, and we'll dive into the lyrics, but it just sounds completely on the surface level to just be about the Christian concept of forgiveness and grace and that we're all forgiven in Christ and all of that. But then it's funny that this that Thiessen has really released an official statement about the song and that this the writing of the song itself stems from a pragmatic specific situation with a friend about him forgiving that friend for a slight and in turn that friend hopefully you know I'm reading between the lines of Thiessen's statement here now but I guess by extension also Hopefully that friend forgiving Tyson for Tyson having hurt that friend who then turned around and told, you know, rumors about them, about him. So it's funny that it's just about forgiveness of a specific friend and vice versa. And it's and then it's just written through the lens of his belief and his faith in Christ 
and that brings it to the front, which, you know, brings it to the front of the concept of the song, which it's so funny because, like, on this pod, to me, it's funny. On this podcast, I'm constantly taking these, like, songs that, you know, clearly have a spiritual Christian understanding of the world, a Christian value, a Christian, you know, uh, way of looking at things and i'm trying to like say like anyone can see it this way anyone can understand it that way it's it it exists in the world it's apart from just your religion your faith in christ that you the listener listening to this song is this making any sense yeah all the time i'm taking these sort of borderline christian spiritual songs that are clearly written by matt Thiessen deliberately to be both christian viewpoint but also get you know non-christian people who listen to it to get them to understand the viewpoint i'm constantly looking at those and i'm like trying to play uh choice of words here devil's advocate and being like maybe it's not that christian maybe it's meant for the people and this is the opposite of that where it's like actually stems from just a specific incident about his friend group and becomes what it is clearly a spiritual, faith-based, Christian-based song about grace and God's forgiveness for our sins. Like, there's no inkling that this is, you know, any sort of uh, more world, you know, more uh, secular side, worldly side, like, Yeah, no, not, not at all. Except it's a for super that, faith-based yeah, song. Yeah, except for that one little excerpt, you know? And, this also, and that also... Pays it, that also plays into a thing which I constantly harp on is that I think people sometimes view song meanings as too unary, meaning one instead of binary. Like things can only be one thing. Like I've got to put this song in a box and it has to be in that box. Like you can't ever let two parallel universes or five parallel universes exist for the meaning of the same song. But I'm always trying to leave myself open to interpreting every song in every possible way. I hate to assume the song writer meant this. That's what they meant. Or they didn't mean this. Or I see... I, like, try to keep my mind open with all these things. And so it's funny to see... Here's an example of a song where he starts with something that's just personal to him. And that's the kickoff... Pun intended... (laughs) That's the kickoff into just writing a song about grace. And he could have written this song just opening the Bible and be like, I'm going to write a song about this verse and here we go. But no, he had a specific incident in his life that led to writing the writing of this song. And that just shows how that's the purpose of poetry is you can have, you can stub your toe and it's the most painful thing that's happened to you in the last year. And then you say, I'm going to write, sit down and write a song about stubbing my toe. Damn, I want to be that person. <laughs> and the song that you write, everyone interprets the stubbing your toe song as being about, like, police brutality. Like, you <laughs> write a song about stubbing your toe. I mean, that's the beautiful the it, thing yeah. about art, is that you can interpret it however you want to interpret it. And the song means whatever it means to you. And I think that this is one of those things where, and, and I've had this before <laughs> with, like, even decent quotes about what the song is about, where I'm like, 
I refuse to believe that the truth was written specifically about the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I just don't. I can't. I can't even. I can't even. That Turkish delight, like, bop song was, like, 70s getting it on song was way more lion, the witch, and the wardrobe than the truth. Okay? So... Like, I, I totally get it. And I think that there can also be other things at play. And like, maybe you're like, oh, this is right, like brought me into it. So you're a lot more focused on the overall incident that brought you into writing something. And then you just kind of, you know, it took on a life of its own. And you definitely brought in other other factors. Like we know that while writing the song, Tyson is a practicing Christian. Mm-hmm. That's something that's very important to him. His spirituality is really important in his life. And so it comes out. It's going to shine through no matter what maybe you came to write something with the intentions of. You can definitely take out and, and you know, put out sort of, you know, other things that, that, that might even be on your mind subconsciously, you know? Right. And again, it's just, it's what you take out of the song. That is what matters. Right. Well, focusing on the music for a second, because I know we'll deep dive into the lyrics in a little bit. But on the music, I don't have a lot to say. I I don't know everything that's going on here musically, because we're not musicians. We're not musically inclined and talented. It seems like a very rich song. There's a lot going on here. But what I end up sort of... I feel like this song is definitely the least pop-oriented song on this album. Like, Oh, that's out, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta look at the track list for a no, second. No, because my notes, my only notes on the music was, because this was, again, one of those songs, we've talked about it before, when I put on quite a few songs on Five Score, I'm like, I've never heard this song before. <laughs> and then it gets into it, and I'm like, oh, oh, right, it's, it's, it's right. this song. Um... So when I put on this song this week, when Danny's like, we're doing Forgive It, I'm like, okay, cool. My first reaction was like, ooh, yeah, this piano. Immediately followed by, what in the cold play is this? <laughs> and then a short time after, oh, right, this is Super 5 score. Like, right. that was sort of my my emotional journey with, with re-listening to the song. No, this yeah, week. this song definitely sounds like it only belongs on 5 score. Like, I can't see a version of this necessarily on mm-hmm or on forget and not slow down but what i find interesting is that when i when i when i start out listening to forgiven with that opening kind of like i don't know if it's technically minor key I'm not a musician i have no idea but what that that kind of down opening piano and that kind of somber sour slightly opening piano it feels stormy you know, that just opening, that, that, that just like dark and stormy night piano. I'm like, oh, this song, this song's going to be, this song's going to be a drag to listen to. But then it picks up later. It picks up quickly and becomes kind of like, uh, you know, a darker rock song on this album. Even darker in some ways than Devastation and Reform, because Devastation and Reform is just like a full frontal assault, right, of a rock song on this album. But this album has a lot of, this this song is couched between two of Reliant K's most poppy songs, The Best Thing and Must Have Done Something Right. And I think I can take almost every other song on this album other than Forget Forgiven and maybe Plead the Fifth because Plead the Fifth is just kind of like a throwaway fun little way of opening the album. 
but like I feel like this is the least pop oriented song on the entire album, which is funny to think then it was on Wow Worship and it was released to radio stations, Christian radio stations specifically, because I could never imagine Forgiven being on regular radio. Like yeah. the best thing, I need you, come right out. I'm looking at the list right now. Come right on, say it. I need you. Best thing. Must have done something right. Give until there's nothing left. Left. Devastation and reform. I'm taking you with me. I can imagine all of those songs playing on regular radio. Yeah. But I can't imagine Forgiven playing on regular radio. I can't imagine any of those playing on Christian radio. <laughs> I guess that's true. But so it just this feels like the least pop-oriented song. Like I feel like even Deathbed for being as like deep and oh some college radio station has 100% played all 11 minutes of deathbed right but there's poppy too there's poppy melodies within deathbed like i don't even think the melodies within forgiven are that poppy so i just think it's funny that it's also this early in the album because this feels like a late album track to me and all of this sounds disparaging to the track overall. I think this is a really interesting song, but it, it kind of fights me to listen to it, especially with that opening thunder, you know, that opening rainy piano, that dark and stormy piano. Like, I listen to the opening chords of this song and I think, oh, this is going to be a drag. And then it picks up and I'm like, oh no, I like this song. This is a very five score song, but it's just the sort of. It's also like the darkest song on the album, which is funny because, you know, Deathbed literally deals with death. Like what on paper sounds darker than that? But Deathbed is such musically, I know you wouldn't know this, but musically (laughs) Deathbed is such a poppy, upbeat number for a lot of it that it doesn't come off that dark. But Forgiven comes off as a very dark, dark song it's almost like that color theory thing where you see a picture and you just pull out like the five colors that are in there right like when i am done listening to forgiven and i'm like what's the feeling you have left over from that song i'm like kind of like dark and a little foreboding and a little you know what i mean sure. like even though there are light brighter moments within forgiven like the sort of ska-esque upstrokes and like you know the the the, the chorus is very, I will be forgiven. Like, there's uplifting moments within Forgiven. I'm still left with this, like, sort of color palette feeling of it's the darkest song musically, sonically on the album. And then it's funny that it is also, the, like, the most penitent, the most Christian song, one of the two most Christian songs on the album is along with Deathbed. You know what I mean? So I think that this is an odd bird. (laughs) This is an odd bed. This is an odd bed on the track. On that CD. On the album. Anyway. (laughs) You know, it's funny because this week, I'm you from what was, I think, last week or, or two weeks ago, technically, or, or maybe the week before where it was like, I didn't do a big listen through. I didn't take okay. a lot of notes. I did not already pre-dive into the lyrics. Um, well, this is what it sounds like. No, I know. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> oh my gosh. It took me a second to figure out what you were doing. No, I listened to it at least once. Um, 
I don't know. It's just that I don't know what it, my thing is with five score. I don't know because I love the five score lineup like so much. Like the five score lineup owns my heart. I don't right, know. Right. This is the first. It's yeah. Funny that, yeah. This is also. Yeah. I don't know what my deal is. Because <laughs> in a lot of ways, mm-hmm, sometimes feels like the first John and John album, but it's not. Brian's on that album. Yeah. But almost immediately from that tour. John and John joined the band and Brian had left. Exactly. That's the thing is that the first time I saw Reliant K live, the Johns were already in the band. Right. Because it's We'd already met before this album came out. And the Johns were already in the band. Well, we met after my first show. But yes, yeah. Like that summer, (laughs) the summer before we met was my first Reliant K show. We were together by the time this album came out, (laughs) which I kind of forget. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Which doesn't really mean anything. I, I to remember. Anyone, I remember <laughs> sitting in my me. right. I remember sitting. I had a townhouse uh, that my parents had gotten me for college, and I remember sitting in the office and on my my big MacBook computer, and like you were hanging out, and I was like, "Oh, I got from iTunes the new Reliant K single, and you came to listen to uh, Must Have Done Something Right with oh, me." I, I totally have that that memory. Oh, okay. Yeah. My office with my drum set in the corner with the Kiss uh, tapestry thing hanging right. above it. <laughs> and this makes sense to why Five Score was the first Reliant K album that I didn't buy the week it came out. Because I finally had a girlfriend. And I was no, too... <laughs> we've talked about this before. We the the uh, The albums that came out while we were in college, we were very much like so focused on, on, because, college. on college because... Unlike most colleges, our college was very, like, intensive. Not that all all college is intensive. Just listen to college kids. Our college was, like, you went, like, straight through. We didn't get summer breaks or anything. We we did not get many breaks. It was, you know, an accelerated program that we were in. So There was no time for new stuff. Right. We were very in what we were in with our studies. You you did not have the time to have, like, a job or anything. So, yeah. Anyway, this track was produced by Howard Benson. Okay. Like many of the tracks off of this album. And Ned Brower of Rooney also provided vocals for this track as well okay. as I Need You. So if you hear another sort of more prominent voice that you can't place, it's Ned Brower. Gotcha. Well, with that, we will take our break and we'll come back to do the deep dive on the lyrics. <laughs> and then whatever other deep dive you have, this episode looks like, hey, it's our first episode back after an impromptu <laughs> week off. So it's going to be a long one. We'll be right back. We just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Whether you've been listening for a while or this is your first time, we want to hear your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Reliant K memories at our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. And if talking on the phone isn't your thing, because I know it's not mine, and whose is it really, you can send us an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com, or visit our socials at Instagram and Twitter, which are both at sadiehawkinspod. While there, you can also see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. You can also visit sadiehawkinspod.com for easy access to all these links, as well as to our merch store for shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. We also want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, who include Emily, Charity, Isaac, Kendall, Joshua, Timothy, Daniel, Jay, Joel, Connor, Michael, Samantha, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Join our Patreon now for two monthly bonus episodes, 
our entire backlog of bonus episodes, which include reviews of the case for karaoke songs and chapters of the complex infrastructure known as the Female Mind Book. You'll also get stickers, guitar picks, and a special Patreon exclusive shirt when you've donated a lifetime contribution of $60. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Where can I sign up again? At patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. If you want to be a patron of the arts, the fine arts, the podcast arts, <laughs> there's one place to go. SadieHawkinsPod.com slash... Oh, wait. No, no, that's not it. I'm sorry. I'm Just sorry. I panicked. Let's get into the lyrics specifically. And we have the booklet. We actually have the booklet. <laughs> no looking at Genius. No looking at Google lyrics or whatever where things are fallible. We're actually going to read right out of the booklet. This is from the special edition with the bonus DVD Ooh, included. Fancy. So Forgiven, which is track five off of the album. I know my Roman numerals because all the tracks are numbered with Roman numerals in the booklet. Uh, the lyrics start off, oh yes, I know this tension that you speak of. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yes, I know this tension that you speak of. <laughs> We're in the palm of a hand making a fist. It'd be best for one of us to speak up. But we'd be pre- best, our matey. <laughs> it'd be best. <laughs> it'd be best. Uh-huh. It'd be best for one of us to speak up. Speak up. But we prefer to pretend it does not exist. Oh my gosh, we're baby pacifists. <laughs> we're baby pacifists throwing fists. Okay, you know what's funny Shake here? Our fists, yeah. So. Right off the bat, this is about two friends who are having a come right out and say it fight. Um, So there's a possibility here that it is about Brian Pittman. But this could also technically be about the girlfriend, the famous girlfriend that I always feel like it's too trite to bring up. Because isn't come right out and say it about her as well? Like we know for a fact... Right? Or is or is it the other song from the opening of Mm-hmm that's definitely about Catherine? It's the other song, Danny. Okay. Well, we also said that Come Right Out and Say It is probably also about Catherine. But what that's if, it. We're just the gossip podcast now. But what if there's a... Yeah, we're just the gossip <laughs> podcast. But what if there's a possibility that Forgiven is about... Catherine, ew, I hate you. <laughs> I just feel like she's so famous and like, you know, you're like one of those people that thinks... Courtney Love killed Kurt she's Cobain famous, because yeah. she's the most famous person in his life that would have benefited from his death. It's like, oh, is every song about Catherine? You know what? Oh, let's, is let's every Mark Hoops, Mark Hoopus, <laughs> is every Mark Hoopus song about Tom DeLonghi? This is funny, actually, because I watched a documentary years ago uh, about that, and being younger than you, I was not like what, a grunge person. Yeah, okay. I was not a grunge person. I was not in Tarzana, like, not a Kurt what, Cobain what fan. What Katy Perry documentary? No, oh, which sorry. is only the one I know of. <laughs> no, so I had watched a documentary, and then like Danny and I were talking later, and I was like, "Oh, I watched this documentary." I was like, "Danny, I know you're a fan. Where where do you stand on that?" And he's like, "Oh, he did not kill himself." I was like, "Oh, oh my god, well, he gosh. didn't kill himself." I'm I'm what? Oh, I'm married to one of those people. Ah. <laughs> uh. I'm married to one of those. Oh, okay. I, but but we talked about this in our Nancy Drew episode. I'm not a person who's like my answer is is you're like well if Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself who did? I'm like someone else. Danny does not care <laughs> about a mystery. I know exactly who killed Kurt Cobain. Somebody. That's a noun. That's a person. Somebody. I don't care who it was. Kurt Cobain. I literally never know. When no one will ever know. I don't think Kurt Cobain 
by himself committed suicide. I do think something else happened. Now, I don't think... Someone had to provide the drugs. I don't think that any of the... the, I I definitely don't think it's the guy from NoFX or any of that stuff. (laughs) There's theories about that. I don't think it's anyone that has... It's like... I'll, we'll be able to ask God was, when we get to it heaven. It was Big Mike, Fat Tony, what's his name? <laughs> Fat Tony. The main guy? Is that who they think it was? No, I can't remember. I don't remember. One of the guys from NoFX, there's a theory. But I don't care. Whatever. My point is, people are like, oh, it was Courtney Love. And and like he's like, no, you just think it was Courtney Love because that's literally the... You only know of three people that were in Kurt Cobain's life. You know Dave Grohl, Chris Novoselic, <laughs> and Kurt, Courtney Love. Those are the only three people you know were in his life. But you don't know who lived in his neighborhood. You don't know who was in the bars or restaurants he frequented. frequented. You don't know like if he went to you know a, a, the grocery store, who he had conversations with. Like You literally don't know the people in any famous person's life. So then you focus on like the weird little like threads of some person that happened to be in a documentary once or the most famous people related to him so like you'll never know who killed Kurt Cobain I do not think he killed himself in and of by himself I don't think that but whoever killed him I literally I don't know who it is because I literally don't know all the people in his life like I can't make that call so, anyway, but I know one thing for certain. Forgiven is about Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's about Katy Perry at all. It's, I think we are, like, long gone after that chapter by the time we get here. Well, I do think that Come Right Out and Say It is about her and about them deciding to break up at that point because they were both moving on with their careers in different directions. But Forgiven, which is only four tracks later, it could be about Brian Pittman, it could be about someone else that we have no idea, or it could be about her. Doesn't matter. <laughs> the opening lines of this song is, we're, make, we're in the palm of a hand making a fist. It'd be best for one of us to speak up, but we pretend to pre- we prefer to pretend it does not exist, which is the same sentiment as coming right out and say it. But it's also something that happens with people that you care about and love, where you're having resentment build up. You're having like, oh, that person should care about me enough to know something's wrong. I'm going to wait until they figure it out. Instead of just speaking up and saying, hey, you're doing this thing to me and I don't feel this is right. And coincidentally, two different podcasts I listened to this week. One was a, one was an interview with Catbite, the uh, ska band on the Punk News podcast. And the other podcast was Ethan Lux and uh, Clint's podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast. Both of them mentioned in a Q&A style about how one of the most important things you can do as a band is if there's tension, immediately address it like grownups. Never hide it. And then we've... <laughs> like two completely different podcasts... Both mention that if you're in a band, you have to speak up when there's a resentment immediately and never hide it and never just let it fester. Was Metal Up Your Podcast specifically about Metallica this past week? No, it was just a QA oh, okay. from the patrons. And it was a couple weeks back that I just caught up with. It wasn't even like they were both podcasts that came out this week. They were just two podcasts I caught up with. Gotcha. So it makes me think even more that it's more possible it could be Brian Pittman or someone in their camp specifically that they're working with. You've also got that palm of the hand imagery here. Mm-hmm. And like, what does that immediately... You hear like in your palms or whatever, what does that immediately make you think of? God, it right. absolutely does. Like, you know, 
Palm Sunday. That's that's a different kind of thing. But I mean, like, he's got the whole world in Psalms, his hands kind of Psalms thing. kind of sound like palms. He's got the whole world in his hands. There's a lot of, like, palm of the hand imagery associated with Christianity, of course, being crucified and everything on the cross. Right. And then the next lines, you immediately get more kind of Christian iconography of saying the next lyrics are, and you can't see past the blood on my hands to see that you've been aptly damned to fail and fail again. And then the chorus is, cause we've all, cause we're all guilty of the same things. We think the thoughts, whether or not we see them through. And I know that I have been forgiven and I just hope you can forgive me too. So a couple things there, like the blood on the hands, like, you know, caught red handed, you are guilty. Caught red handed is about guilt. Like your guilt, you're guilty in the eyes of the law. You're guilty in the eyes of the Lord. Also, you know, there's concepts in Christianity about being washed in the blood, which is not the specific kind of blood they're talking about here. But there's so much importance in blood in Christianity that it's just like all kind of in one tone poem feeding into this idea that you are guilty you have blood on your hands and like we're all guilty of the same thing we're all guilty of the sin of falling we're all we're all inherently sinful we all have the inherent ability to sin and we need god's grace that's the sort of the tent pole tenements of christian faith I just want to say, this is like the harshest lyric ever. This, I mean, we talk about diss tracks. This is a diss track. Right. Like, and you can't see past the blood in my hands to see that you've been aptly damned to fail whoa. and fail again. Oh, yo mama. <laughs> like, whoa. And, yeah. To fail and fail again, that's so rough. Like, everyone fears failure. That's right. so harsh. It is harsh. Know? It's not the same kind of harsh. And it's, I don't, I don't see it as the same kind of harsh and problematic as, like, you know, mood rings or what have you been doing lately. These are still human that's concepts. That's a completely different category. Right. These are, and these are, these are things about Christianity that within the construct of the church, within the construct of your institution, put the put these concepts in the hands of people who abuse their power and abuse the people they have power over, like over their congregation or over their communities. Like you can like hurt people by can by making them feel like they're guilty, making them feel like they're overly guilty. Like there is that aspect of it. We talk about that on this podcast all the time. But I do think that there is some truth in the idea that we're all sinful because that's, I just think that's true no matter what your faith is like humans inherently. And it comes up later in the song. Think about themselves. They need humans have the inherent (laughs) evolutionary trait to live for themselves. So when you see something as a threat to you, you strike out against it because you need to think you need to survive. So that's a human that's a human thing that happens and then through things like religion or you know just deeper thought through uh introspection and through intelligence we learn to try to live for others we learn to uh forgive which are not necessarily instinctual concepts to learn to forgive and so 
this is a harsh song <laughs> to say like, yeah, hey, yeah. I made you angry, you made me angry, but hey, you mess up all the time too, just like I do. Why don't you forgive me? Right. I'll forgive you too. Like sometimes in forgiveness, there's an anger. Like, look, I'm sorry, but like you hurt me and I hurt you. Like you can't just be the only one who's mad at me right now. Yeah, sort of looking at it in the way of like, we all sin because we all do. That's just the way of humanity that's sort of the lighter way of looking at <laughs> right. it you know it's it's you know because we all know that we will be forgiven right it's it's that like you've been aptly damned to fail <laughs> and fail again like if it only meant right. in that sinning sort of way that we're all forgiven for that's one thing but if if you take that and and given the context that we have been given from teason himself it's like Teason is putting himself in that role of God and he's like, yes, you're forgiven, but like you're damned to fail and fail again. That's rough. Which he's saying just like That's me, really I'm set to rough. fail and fail yeah. again. But it's still rough to like it's call that out on another person. It's extremely it, it is harsh. harsh. <laughs> but I do think that even in a secular, secular sense, even in a worldly sense, like those are concepts that are true. I just try to take these ideas and I like do these ideas have any value outside of the church right do these ideas that you set forth have value to someone who has never heard about Christ specifically and I think there is some value to think here that like you're constantly doing wrong I'm constantly doing wrong let's try to forgive each other and move on and let's forgive each other because there's no going forward there's no value in just like constantly holding a fist to each other now let's talk about this one <laughs> let's get deeper oh boy because i already read it out loud let me read it again because we're all guilty of the same things we think the thoughts whether or not we see them through jessica how do you feel about the sin of thought <laughs> How do you feel about the sin of thought? Oh my gosh, I know where he's going with this. I know exactly where he's going with this. Because your hero, your hero, Jimmy Carter, cheated on his wife in his mind. And he admitted it in Playboy magazine. Okay, okay, okay. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. First of all. Jessica watched a documentary about Jimmy Carter. And later that day or the next day, she was like, I watched a documentary about Jimmy Carter. He was a very wonderful man. He still is. He still is a very wonderful humanitarian. Like, say what you will about his presidency, this or that. But he, as a person, was a very great person, a Christian. And like, just like, she didn't say this. I'm, he was I was going to say, Danny's extrapolating here. Right. But, you he know. Was a woke, he was a woke Christian in the 70s, which was... Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. And then I said to her, and then I said to Jessica while she's telling me this, it's like, well, you know, he had an interview in Playboy magazine where he admitted he cheated on his wife. And Jessica was a little crestfallen, and she's like, oh, well, you know, men in power, that happens. And I'm like, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's this very infamous uh, interview that Jimmy Carter gave in Playboy magazine where he admitted he cheated on his wife, but he was like, in my mind, I've thought about other women and therefore I've cheated. He never actually physically cheated that we know of on his on his wife. And Jessica was like, oh, (laughs) who hasn't? Who is not guilty of sinning in thought? (laughs) Just 
And the thing about no. sinning in thought is I think that it's no. almost like, okay, maybe I don't want to get into that yet, but <laughs> I'll get into that oh, in a second. No. Sinning in thought, there is a line. There's an invisible line where sinning in thought does, I think, become sin. Like when you revel Do not in think it. about killing people. That's messed up. But that's Please the thing. Help. That's the thing is like, yeah, like you think about sex or you think about drinking when you're supposed to be sober or you think about this or that. Like, okay, that's one thing. You fantasize about something you're not really supposed to do. That's one thing. But you fantasize about certain things that really are bad. I don't want to name them. But you think about things that really, really are bad. Like, that's pretty fucked up. And, like, that actually is a sin if you're just wantonly letting yourself think about those things. But if you just think about, like, cheating on your wife or something, like, hey, who hasn't done that? She's not paying attention. I am. <laughs> if, who hasn't? Right? Who hasn't? But at the same point, even, like even you think subconsciously in a dream, accidentally, you don't know. Like, so there is an invisible line. I feel like, and it really is just part of the person where, like, you think too much about murder, and eventually you just really revel in that, and you want to do it. You think too much about other like socially really awful things, and I don't want to. Again, I don't want to name them. I keep hitting the flowers the dead flowers on the table you think about <laughs> that's so poetic <laughs> i keep hitting the dead flowers on the table and now april's upset <laughs> so i think there's a point where when you revel in an awful idea for too long that is bad and just and april agrees <laughs> april agrees with me and so the idea, wherever it started thousands of years ago of saying, like, thinking about that thing is equal to the sin. Well, no, that isn't inherently true. But there are some people who are going to think about that sin so much. It's called manifesting. That it's just, yeah, it's called the secret. <laughs> so, you know, getting back to the lyrics, I guess this is a song where I got the gist of it and I thought it was just a faith-based song about grace and forgiveness, but he is directly referencing here another person, someone who you can't uh, capitalize the pronouns, where he says, because we're all guilty of the same things, we think the thoughts, whether or not we see them through, and I know I have been forgiven. I just hope that you can forgive me too. I don't know if on Genius or Google Lyrics or any of that, the you can forgive me too is capitalized. But like here we know from what he wrote, what Matt Thiessen shared in the in the WOW 2008 CD, that the you is referring to the friend that he did wrong yeah. and that in turn did him wrong. Yeah, it's definitely saying I know that I have been forgiven. Overall, I know I have been forgiven by, by God. God. I just hope that you friend on earth can forgive me too. Yeah. So if that you is capitalized online, this is one case where that's undeniable. I feel that's undeniably, undeniably incorrect because he's talking, he's talking about his forgiveness in Christ at the same time. He's talking about a friend who he's hoping will forgive him. And I guess we'll just blow through the rest of these lyrics. Cause this is a long episode. <laughs> So don't you dare blame me for prying open the door that's unleashed the bitterness that's here in the midst of this. Sometimes we live for no one but ourselves, 
and what we've been striving for has turned into nothing more than bodies limp on the floor. Victims of falling short, we kiss goodbye the cheek of our true love. We kiss goodbye That's the cheek of our though. true love. That's heavy, though. Like, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> I can only count to four. I can only count to four. Psycho stick. I can only count to four. Check it out. I'll just leave it at that. Google it right now. YouTube. Um, so those are the lyrics to Forgiven. So the, we kiss goodbye the cheek of our true love. Do you think that's Brian Pittman or do you think that's Catherine? Those are the only two famous people we know that were in Matisse's <laughs> life. Therefore, they're the only people that this song could be about. I mean, I don't know anything about that, but let's see what the good folks over at Song Meetings have, because that is the only deep dive I have for this week outside of the official, not official, but outside of the actual Wikipedia for the song itself. Okay. And uh, song facts, which we already went over. This is a pretty long one, but I think they really they really do dive into the song, so I'm going to go over it. Okay. To Tiger 25 on March 31st, Tiger 2000, 2008 said... Don't pretend like we have seen that. We haven't I've seen I've never that. seen Tiger King. I absolutely love this song. It completely related to a situation I had with a friend or ex-friend. Anyways, it helped me get through that really tough time with her because I would listen to it again and again. I am a Christian and I believe that Jesus saved us all from sin. We are forgiven just as this song says. So now about the meaning. I think it's a pretty straightforward song. The first part talks about... I know this tension that you speak of. We're in the palm of a hand making a fist. This is stating that there's conflict between two people and they are in a fight. I really like Matt's lyrics, palm of a hand making a fist, because you can visualize this. It's like they're getting crushed, just like their relationship. The fist is also a symbol of anger because you make a fist when you are mad. I would say duh here, but it feels like that's a little bit kindergarten. It'd be best for one of us to speak up, but we prefer to pretend it does not exist. Pretty straight up, the two people in the fight or argument are ignoring the problem and not discussing it, even though they know it would be better to talk about it and try and work it out. Basically, they aren't talking. We can work it out. Exactly. We can work it out. Oh, no, we're going to... That's gonna, a song by gonna, the monkeys. Yeah, I was going to say, Danny, Danny, you're playing with fire here. We're getting a little bit too close to... Oh, yeah, the Beatles, are gonna, <laughs> yeah. the Beatles are going to make this episode un, unlistenable again. <laughs> you can't see past the blood on my hands to see that you've been aptly damned to fail and fail again. The other person in the fight just can't find the inner strength to forgive the narrator. They can't look past what the person did, even if they say they were sorry and meant it. The opposer thinks that what the person did is far worse than anything he slash she has ever done, even though it's not true because we all have sinned and will continue sitting, fail and fail again. Because we're guilty of the same things. We think the thoughts, whether or not we see them through. This is similar to what I just said about the pre-chorus, about how everyone sins. But it goes further to say that thinking evil thoughts is equally sinful as committing the physical sin. This is an important message that should be emphasized more than it is. And I know that I have been forgiven and I just hope you can forgive me too. I love this part of the chorus. 
It's saying that I know that because I have prayed to God and asked for his forgiveness, I know that he has forgiven me because all sins were forgiven when Jesus died for us. Even if this person never forgives you, but you just hope they will. You know that you have been forgiven by God who matters way more than this person. So don't you blame me for prying open the door that's unleashed the bitterness. That's here in the midst of this. This is the narrator speaking to the person that refuses to forgive them. They're saying that you need to open up to the part of you that contributed to this problem because I did not start this all by myself. I have owned up to what I have done to cause it and have prayed for forgiveness. Now it's your turn. Don't just put the blame on me. Look at yourself and what you've done. And that's in all caps. Sometimes we live for no one but ourselves. This, I think, means the the opposer is saying that the narrator caused all of the problems because it makes them feel better and less guilty about their part in the argument. Or my other theory is the narrator is saying, I know that what I did was wrong. I was being selfish and only focusing on my life and what is best for me rather than considering others the consequences. And I'm sorry. I really want to hear other ideas, though. Uh, And then they follow this up by saying, I really don't get what Matt is talking about in this next part of the verse. Does anyone else want to explain it to me? The only line that I don't, don't understand is we kiss goodbye on the cheek of our true love. I bet that a lot of people would hear that and immediately think of a dating relationship or romance, but true love can be with friends or family too. It's saying that since we have been so immature about this whole situation by ignoring it and not talking, we have basically destroyed the amazing thing that we had. And the kissing goodbye isn't like an I'll see you soon goodbye. It's like I'll miss you because I'll never see slash have you. you. (laughs) It's so sad. From then on there, it's just repeat, but it's still amazing, moving and deep. And I really want people's thoughts on the part of the verse, on that part of the verse, too, that I don't understand. Thanks so much. P.S. My comment. Sorry, my comment is so long. I just think about this song like every day and want to Sorry get the episode's out. so long. <laughs> Sorry the episode's so long. We just don't do it every day and need to get it out. Um, <laughs> so. TLDL. Too long. Didn't listen. <laughs> Uh oh wow, people are getting feisty in the comments Uh-oh. as they get further down. <laughs> oh, do they get as feisty as oh, the no. uh Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend? Patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod where we read through the Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend song meanings and we're like, Oh, okay, they're dropping F slurs right now. I guess we'll skip oh, that one. Well, Another commenter later calls this particular commenter a moron. JHPIV4 on December 1st, 2006 said, yay, I'm the first to post. Anyway, I think this song is a big disappointment. That's what it's about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It shows one of the directions Reliant K has sadly chosen to take. The actual message is great, but the presentation is rather morbid if you ask me. Like the part that talks about bodies limp on the floor, which is just nasty to me. (laughs) Sure, the love between them may have died. You know there's worse stuff in the Bible, right? There's like beheaded people and there's 
like ejaculating on the ground. Oh, good lord, Daniel Joseph. There is. I I understand what they're saying here. Anyways, they continue, but surely there is a better way to say it. I also don't like how spills his seed to the ground. Daniel, he knew the child would not be his. I also don't like how close. It's called come. I also don't like how close it comes to some bad language in the lines to see. We can say whatever we want on this episode because we're forgiven. (laughs) We can make a deathbed confession. (laughs) My deathbed confession is that I refuse to listen to that song. I also don't like how close it comes to some bad language in the lines to see that you've been aptly damned. They could have said condemned, but they didn't. I love Reliant K and always will, but this is, but this trend of unnecessary morbidity is a sad. So they're sad upset thing for that me. they used the word damned, which they is again not. in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Right. It's a Bible swear, like the word ass. They are not going to be happy with one collapsible lung and two <laughs> when they get to the Halloween EP, the creepier ep Um When there's blood growing cold, they're definitely not going to be happy when they see Third Day play Jesus. Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> I love, uh, a fan who likes their upbeat pop slash punk style better, like, is fond of two lefts. Oi! <laughs> Brian K used to be more British and more punk rock. Yes, yes, it's true. Brian K used to be more British and punk rock. Tevastev, or T E H S T E E V, on December 3rd, 2006, said to the last commenter, You're a moron. Damned is not a cursed word, especially in this sense. And this is a great song. I can't wait for this album. So there you go. Definitely released ahead of time. There, because... Yeah, that person was condemning the words of God because damned is in the Bible. And the Bible is the complete word of God. Therefore, the word damned is a word of God. Right. Um, and so is the word seed was spilled upon the ground. Well, I mean. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. Translations and whatnot. Anyhow. Lur, L-E-R, on December 1st, 2006, said, well, technically damned isn't bad language in that case. It just means exactly the same thing as condemned. I don't see this song as too morbid. I mean, it's more morbid than any of the previous stuff, but I liked how it raised up in hope in the choruses. And I feel that without the darkness of the verses, the light choruses wouldn't have shined quite so bright. My two cents smiley face. And I agree with that because we always talk about how no matter how dark Reliant K songs get, they always leave you with a sense of hope. So I, I, I liked that comment. How do you think they felt when Reliant K covered tom petty and they told the whole world to shove it oh boy um i don't know but you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave uh the rest of song meetings here maybe we'll cover it on patreon maybe we won't let us know patrons if you're interested in that (laughs) they they keep going for a while uh oh my gosh there's five pages of them in fact so we'll do all of them over (laughs) at patreon.com slash sadie hawkins pod so dan what do you have for us this week well You know, I'm loving it because Reliant K played this on the McDonald's live tour. (laughs) (laughs) I think, Jessica, you deserve a break today. So we get to come back to this McDonald's live video, which we covered. (laughs) It took me a second for you deserve a break. (laughs) Yeah, that's an old one. 
Well, we covered... So I think... Let me... Uh, there's no track list on this video, but this was an 11-minute video uploaded by Amanda Gayton on YouTube 14 years ago, the McDonald's Live concert where Reliant K did this like McDonald's-sponsored concert in around 2007. And I'll say that this is also a song that Reliant K played out uh, a little bit, you know, quite a bit during the year after forgetting, uh, sorry, five score and seven years ago. But it doesn't seem to have remained a staple. And I guess that's another thing is this is kind this kind of became an album cut mm-hmm. over the time. Maybe if they kept playing it more after 2007, 2008. And I'm sure there are incidents. I didn't look on set list. I'm sure there's times where it was played here and there. But, you know, it wasn't played as far as I could tell during the Switchfoot tour in 2016. It wasn't played at Um Yeah. So this has become kind of a deeper cut on the album overall and a song that they really seem to have only played for the a year or two after the album came out. Yeah, that's interesting. It seems like it took a backseat to bigger songs. Right. I wonder if they played it at the Reliant K show we went to together in 2007. Oh, right. And I'm like... I mean, I could oh, not. I could not tell you a single song that was played <laughs> that night outside of the Weezer song that I didn't know when they did the little campfire <laughs> <Right>. thing. <laughs> so here is Reliant K. Oh, here is the. Okay, yeah. So we talked about this McDonald's live concert in in Madison, Wisconsin, two thousand seven. Because in this YouTube video, at least eleven minutes long, are the performances of the best thing, Pink Tux to the Prom. And forgiven, so we get to round out the trilogy of this McDonald's live video by Amanda Gayton by covering the Forgiven performance. Is the McDonald's cheese better in Wisconsin? Do they go local, or is it still just I don't know whatever <laughs> McDonald's cheese is made out of and purchased abroad? I'm or? sure it's the, the, it's got to be the same quality all across the country. Well, I don't know because the the we went to McDonald's in France. Uh, in France. And but the bread was awful. Because it was yes. probably like, it probably had no preservatives in it. But we also went to one just for iced tea. In Hawaii. In Hawaii on our honeymoon. Best, and it was yeah. amazing. They did their own like tropical like iced tea at that location. Know. It was fantastic. I just feel so, like cheese. I feel like the cheese and the beef are the two things that you got to do the same everywhere. I could be wrong. I don't know. But uh, we'll think about that while we play this performance. <laughs>
The drums uh, are so overpowered yeah. here, like those cymbals, OMG. Um, I should mention this is a pro shot concert. This isn't Amanda Gayton's phone video. Oh, okay, interesting. This is a pro shot cam- uh, video with multiple cameras. Oh, okay, interesting. It's probably like, I don't know this for certain, but I think it was like live streamed on like McDonald'sLive.com or something at the time. <laughs> and Amanda Gayton was just the person who, okay, okay. who like saved the video okay. and uploaded it to YouTube later. So, uh, yeah, what did you think of that performance? I can kind of see why of, of, you know, that was great. If you like this song, I'm sure it'd be fun to see it live. But there wasn't like, it's not like this song brings some sort of special energy live. Right, I can kind of see why this would end up on the back burner compared to other songs that kind of lead the show. Right. I was definitely like, you know what? Listening to it after we get past that little Coldplay bit, I'm like, this is definitely a jam. And it is definitely Coldplay of that time, like 100%. I mean, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Anyway, it is like, it is a jam. It totally is a jam. But in that way that like all Reliant K songs are a jam. Yeah, you know? like something's got to get yeah, left out. Yeah. And I feel like I get why Forgiven maybe hasn't exactly. stayed a part of the live I, yeah. show. Well, here is, we can compare it to this one from the same year. Again, like all I have is 2007. Oh, I have one from 2013. But we'll play one more from 2007. And see how this compares. This is uploaded by, I'll have to just spell these, spell this name, I-C-I-N-D-E-X-I, uploaded this video 15 years ago with less than a thousand views after all these decade, decade and a half. This is a really, you know, for a 2007 camera, this came out pretty well. So here is a performance at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia, March 10th, 2007. Oops. I knew I was going to do that. It's only the second day. I played it in the wrong key. Here we go. I think this is just like a month or two before we saw them together in 2007. So oh, they okay. probably did play this. Okay, they're bringing a lot more energy to yeah. Philadelphia yeah. than they brought to Madison, Wisconsin for the McDonald's concert. <laughs> Maybe there was a sound ordinance for McDonald's. <laughs> but I can still I, I still stand by the idea that there are other songs in Reliant K's repertoire that, you know, this song doesn't necessarily are in the same caliber and that this song doesn't right. necessarily compete with those when you've got to fill out a set list. It's odd because I sort of oscillate between totally digging this song and being like oof in that first minute it's just that intro that really throws me for some reason maybe it's harder to play live and maybe because they were like well we have devastation and reform which scratches a similar itch 
uh, you know, in Devastation Reforms, maybe it's a little easier and more fun to play than this. Maybe this is a little too complex to play live. Maybe- I mean, it's not that they it's not that they play it not well live. They do play it well live. I think it's just a little too like, oof, they're going with that like they're they're ahead of the curve and they're going with that like we are a Christian band and we're gonna play something that's like Coldplay. Maybe. Right. And and I mean, especially of that time, because I actually saw Coldplay live in 2006. So like of that same sort of era of Coldplay that just, I don't know, something about that intro is just a little too that specific vein for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I get that. Um, so let's hear it in which the latest version that I could find on YouTube, whether or not they played this in up to 2016 or at a random show at Amya um, yeah, that didn't get captured. This is the latest clip that I have. Only seven views by Gretchen Hartsook. Well, let's make it eight. We're about to be the eighth person to view this in nine years. This is a clip, a 30-second clip of Reliant K playing this at some unnamed concert oh, wow. okay. in 2013. Barring that this isn't like an upload they uploaded four years later, five, four, four or five years later. And it is John and John on stage, so... Yeah, they're rocking it. Yeah, so it's not... Whether or not this is the the writing of Collapsible Lung has commenced and the recording of Collapsible Lung has commenced at this point. You know, John and John and Ethan were still in the band by the time Collapsible Lung was partially being performed live. So, I don't know how late this is. Oh, this was uploaded in August of 2013, so whether or not, again... That's around the time that this performance is. They're rocking it, and they are forgiven for not playing it after this. And that's where the clip ends. That's all they got. Okay. So that is the latest that I was able to find of Reliant K performing this. It's funny because I was going to ask you on the next one to skip in a little. So I'm really glad that the 30 seconds they got was in a little bit. Yeah. And I'm looking and they've got a lot of videos about St. Luke's Lutheran Christian, wait, Lutheran Church Praise Band, Newsboys Clip, um, Run Kid Run. More Newsboys Live covering Jesus Freak. Jimmy Eat World, classic Christian band. Jimmy Eat World playing the middle. (laughs) Uh, Tons of Jimmy Eat World. Just Christian band after Christian band and then Jimmy Eat World. Shout out David Park and Jimmy Eat Pod. (laughs) The Postal Service. I was just trying to see if maybe there's some other Reliant K clips around the same time that we could see where this was okay here's a sadie hawkins dance clip nope no reference there here's who i am hey two i've been nope no mention of where they played that is this at the same time like is it did they yeah they're uploaded at the, at the same time, time. Okay. but they didn't put a description in any of these clips oh there was an office theme song i might have nope nope not there mood rings Mood rings, two v- Nope, nope. What's the oldest Reliant K clip that they have? 
Forgiven. That that's the one we just played. <laughs> Devastation Reform. Here we go. Devastation Reform. Still no mention to where they are. Oh well. <laughs> okay. Let's see. This is a song that does not really have a lot of covers. There is um, an acoustic cover by Stevens Especial. By there is a vocal cover with piano by Deviant Kiragishi. And there's a full band cover by Buck Chamberlain on SoundCloud. I thought you were going to say Buck Cherry. I got really excited <laughs> for a second there. And another piano cover by Aaron Wewell. And those are really the only covers to speak of. Oh, there's one special cover that I'll play in just a second. Um, and then there's a lot of piano. There's a lot There's a lot of drum covers, like play-along drum covers, obviously. Sure. There's play-along guitar covers. And there's a piano and guitar duo play-along cover. But the only cover I'll play here, because you know what? We'll do... It's getting late. We'll do sound song meanings and the other four covers behind the paywall. But first, I'll play this cover. This is the only cover I'll play. Oh. I didn't check it out myself, so I'm hearing it for the first time right now. That's right, it's the Chiptune cover by Chiptune Planet. Ooh, I love it. Chiptune versions are always interesting because then you can kind of really just like sit there and study the melody. I think chiptune yeah. covers are kind of like one of the best ways to really examine Ooh, if a song. I love that. Because otherwise, if you hear a chiptune song of a song you like and it's just like the whole time, you're like, okay, there's not much going on. What do you think? I'm enjoying it. Good. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because unlike some chiptune covers and even piano covers where it takes so long for you to figure out what song it is, here you're immediately like, oh, I know this song. This is Forgiven. I like and appreciate that. Yeah. You can definitely suss out which song this is. For sure. Oh, and then there's this. There's um, let's our own Jolk Polk, or as we call him, Joel K. Polke. Our patron over at Patreon. Is it not Joel K. Polke? I thought that it's we Joel said... It's Joel Polk. No, he's oh. called up with voicemails and said it's Joel Polk. Oops. Apologies, Joel Polk. <laughs> I thought I was saying it right. Well, our own Joel Polk from Sadie Hawkins Pod slash Patreon from Patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> um, he sent us this rave DJ a while ago. Like the... Our, Years, I feel like years ago. Oh my oh, gosh, wow. yeah, two years ago. Oh wow, okay. When we talked about Rave DJ two years ago, after David Park and Justin of Jimmy Eat Pod originally discovered Rave DJ and we toyed around with it a little bit. I mean, Jimmy Eat Pod regularly use Rave DJ. We only use okay. it once in a while. Well, Joel ran a bunch of things through Rave DJ. He uploaded one of them for Forgiven by Reliant nice. K up to... His own YouTube channel. So this is Jolk Polk's mashup of Reliant K and Skillet's songs. One of these bands, I got no problem with. Oh, <laughs> Guess no. which one it is. But it's still going to be worth checking this out. So here is 
that cover, that mashup. One of these bands hasn't been on the 700 Club as far as we know. (laughs) Talking about how woke Christianity is the end of the universe. So wait, (laughs) does Skillet sound like modern sonic music? Which is not Joel's problem. All he did was type in two songs. <laughs> that skillet intro. Oof, that skillet intro was a little too requiem for a dream for me. <laughs> I skip. You know the thing about rave DJ. I didn't set it up for anyone who's never heard us talk about rave DJ. It's an AI generated mashup of two songs. So the thing about that AI trying to mash up the songs is sometimes individual seconds can work. And other times can't work. You know, sometimes a song will mash up perfectly. Like when I mashed up uh, Come Right Out and Say It with uh, Cha Cha Slide. That worked out perfectly. (laughs) But other times... Man, if he didn't listen to that for months after. (laughs) But other songs may not work, but then like individual seconds will work. So let's just pick a random time out of this four minute mashup. This is uh, exactly two minutes in and let's see how Skillet's... Forgiven and Reliant Case Forgiven work together at two minutes in. Nope. Just an absolute mess with this, like, singular driving bass drum that you can hear no matter what else is going on in the foreground. (laughs) And I guess I won't torture you with fan stuff. This is, well, this is the kind of video. Uh oh. Well, this is the kind of song that lent itself. Like, sometimes there'll be one random song. We've come across this all the time on Sadie Hawkins Pod where one particular song brings out one particular artistic group on the internet like this song makes everyone want to edit it together a tribute to their horse this song makes everyone want to edit together a tribute to a nickelodeon live action sitcom sure this song makes everyone want to do that thing this song forgiven does two things it makes everyone want to put together anime music videos Okay. And or live action television show music videos. Okay. Or it makes people want to put together slideshows of penitent Christian images. What about shipping? Any shipping videos? There is possibly only one shipping video, and it's mm. for American Horror Story characters. Okay. Chad and Patrick. 
I don't even know. I've never watched American Horror Story, so I don't even. One of them. Uh, flip it around. Let's let's see. One of them is one Spock. that I've seen. What's his name? Sp- you know, Spock and uh, you know, uh, heroes. I guy. don't. I don't think I caught this one. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm familiar. That's what's his name. That's that's the guy who plays Spock in the newer Star Trek. Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. he's in a couple of those seasons. Yeah. Okay. Well. Oh, it might say right here. Okay, clips from American Horror Story. Not specific enough uh, for, for us to understand. Song, Forgiven by Reliant K. Editing program, Sony Vegas 12. Disclaimer, this video is made for learning, improving, and inspiring purpose. I do not own any of this footage or the song, nor am I claiming to. All rights go to the original and respected owners. So this is uploaded in 2012. Years and years before Reliant K was accused by the hardline Christian right of being gay affirming, more proof that there you go. It could be the first season who actually. Are gay affirming love Reliant K, who are gay themselves, LGBTQ plus themselves, love Reliant K. They, they it, it's their fandom. You just get to live in it here, loving this particular gay couple from American Horror Story. Now it's called American Horror Story, so I don't assume things end up well for these two particular. I, I don't remember, but I was going to say this song like really lends itself to you know enemies to lovers. <laughs> well, there they were filling up each other's chests, and then in the next shot they were reaching across for each other when I think they were about to die. Oh, Spoiler no. warning for whichever season of American Horror Story this is. I never watched American Horror Story because, like, from the first season, I was like, oh, this is, like, base horror concepts. Like, this is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so shocked and disgusted. Like, good horror should have, like, well, and I think, like, a couple yeah. of the seasons do a little better. Like, the witch season, from what you told me, I, I did a little not better care on the actual for the storytelling. It was very much just, like... Shock and gross for shock and gross sake. Right. It, it, you know, it was not in pursuit of art or anything. It was just it very much did right. not feel. Uh, it definitely just felt like it was shock and awe for shock and awe's sake, which I was not a fan of. Um, and then I did watch the Asylum season just because I do like Asylum <laughs> horror. So I was like, well, I'll give it another try because it's an, it's like an anthology. So it's not going to be connected to the previous season at all. Uh, and then I watched the witch season, yeah. And those were, I think, a little better. I don't really remember now. It was quite some time ago. So yeah, 2012, that was probably like the first season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. I'm looking at it. Right. Yep, it's from the first season. Because I was looking. He was only in seasons one, season two, and season 11. Oh, okay. <laughs> Zachary Quinto, which season 11 hasn't even started yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love horror movies, but American Horror Story, I was like, nah, nah. This is written for like people who want to feel like they're into horror. This is like this is like <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. <laughs> so a lot more anime slideshows. And so, sorry, not anime. A lot more anime AMVs it's for and dark, a lot of horny teens. That's what it's slideshows. For. Yeah. At least two Halo videos. And um, wow. And I'm not even going to plug this, but I wrote horse. Conservative meme slideshow from 2014. <coughs> Careful. Always when I take a sip of water. Always. So there's a bunch of like penitent Christian image slideshows, but then there's one particular one where it's a bunch of 2014 hard right 
Christian and hard conservative memes just set to this song. And I didn't realize that Black Lives Matter, the concept, I mean, of course, it probably goes back, it goes back for a long time, but it's from 2014. And there's images of this person like mocking Black Lives Matters in 2014. Oh, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> As like, hey, this person was on the cusp. This is a breaking edge kind of person who is posting these hard right conservative memes. Um, set to a band that is not as hard right as you wish they were, sir. Deal with that. Reconcile that. Yeah. Christian rock is a lie. <laughs> They're all just... Oh, no. no oh, just where are we going? Oh. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Sadie oh, Hawkins no. pod to hear what oh, we think about no. that. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't think that. Danny, we had this discussion before. <laughs> you need to be... I... <laughs> we had this discussion before, Danny. Stamp down your personal <laughs> beliefs. Oh, don't let them said. out. We need to make the money. No, not we what I We need to Absolutely make the not. money, oh, so yeah. pretend that we're gay affirming. What? No. Stop. Oh, my gosh. How do we end this now? No. Damn it, Danny. <laughs> What's funny about everything I just did in the last few minutes is it offends everyone. Yeah. It makes people who we want to keep listening to us confused about where I stand. <laughs> and it makes the people who I don't want to listen to us confused about whether or not we stand with them. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm sorry for whatever that just was. I'm on, so lost. Okay, I won't get ironic. On this podcast, <sighs> we believe science is real. We believe Black Lives Matter. We believe all those other things from that sign. We do believe those things. Did I ever tell you about that thing that I did? We'll end on this. Oh, no. What have you done now? <laughs> this was a couple months ago. This was a couple months ago. You know what you didn't do? What? Edit together a Supercorp shipping video for this song, <laughs> which would, in fact, be perfect. Uh, I guess you're right. I should have done that. So a couple months ago, because of how Semler was like, you know... Bob and Larry are gay. The VeggieTales are gay. Which sure. is just a joke, folks. They're cartoon characters. Like, if you want them to be gay, they're gay. If you don't want them to be gay, they're not gay. If you want them to be straight, they're straight. If they go out and date little female vegetables, that's fine. Personally, I think they're cartoon characters and they are void of sex. But I complete. I I acknowledge and I... And I <laughs> Pornhub.com slash Sadie Hawkins for the really unedited episodes. Forget Patreon. So what I did was, back in March, it was in March, I found the tweet. Back in March. Because, you know, Semler had from the Um Yeah tour, like, hey, Bob and Larry are gay. Right? It's just a joke. It's just a joke, folks. Yeah. And then people got so mad about it. Well, then I decided to tweet, as a joke, building off of that, a picture of a real cucumber and a real tomato photo. Yep. On photoshopped a onto a pride flag right and i tweeted on this podcast we believe black lives matter women's rights are human's rights no human is illegal science is real love is love and bob and larry are gay i'm taking that we have like a couple of them in our neighborhood taking that sign that you put on your front lawn right. where you believe all these things in yes. this house we believe these things right 
And I'm just building off of it and making like a fun little meme out of it. Well, then I got the ire of a bunch of random people who don't even know who we are. <laughs> and it's like, oh, science is real. What's a woman? And like, you just, oh, look at this. Look at this. Like, I could read the people's oh, responses. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is why I was like, you know what? I can't be on the Twitters anymore. I can't. What a cringe attempt at virtue signaling. You people are a pathetic joke. Virtue signaling? (laughs) Who am I virtue signaling to? Our 22 listeners? (laughs) Which is down to like 10 now because I'm sending so many mixed signals. And I may or may not be forgiven, but... It happens. Thank you for calling us a joke. You think we're funny. That's so nice. And don't forget, if you've stuck with the podcast this long, all you have to do is DM, I would like a sticker, (laughs) and we'll send you a free sticker. Everyone's quickly removing their stickers that they have now. Oh, well. (laughs) So, Danny, do you like this song more, less, or the same? I like this song about the same, to be honest. I think I'm going to have to go with the same as well. Yeah. 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 So, it's an all okay, right. It's an okay song on a pretty good album. Oh, no, dear. <laughs> I'm having a great time over here. I'm being me. I'm being me over here. And this podcast, we believe Danny should be a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> 